Hi, good evening everyone. Um, I hope you're doing well. My name's Nicola, if you don't know me, and um, fantastic. Uh, what I thought we'd do just right at the start of this talk is um, I'd actually really love to encourage you to get a Bible open, whether that's on your phone or uh, one of the ones on the back. But also at the back, James has got some bits of paper. And I don't know about you, but I concentrate way more when I'm doodling and when I'm writing down um, what I'm listening to. So if you fancy drawing or writing as I talk, then please do grab a bit of paper. And uh, just while we're grabbing that so no one's embarrassed to do it, why don't we just turn and say hello to everyone nearer? us as well and welcome one another into the room. So say hello to everyone, um, grab a Bible and paper as you go. Great. Well, um, in the church uh, Bibles, if you happen to have the paper version open, you'll notice that this passage roughly falls into kind of three paragraphs. And so we're going to dive into all three paragraphs, but we're going to look at the central one um, in a bit more detail and the first and the last really quite quickly. So um, do grab that and uh, we'll pray as we start. Father, thank you so much for your word. And God, thank you for just this spacious time we've got tonight, just to look at it together. And God, I really pray um, that you'd be merciful to us, that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. And God, that as we look at your word, you'd uh, be working in us. And God, that you would then work through us as we head out from this place in the world. Amen. Great. Well, I'm going to start with a bit of a confession tonight. Um, I was driving this week and I was driving along the A4 road. And do you know the junction where you turn right to go up Sutton Court Road, like towards the church from the big A road? Well, there's a junction there and you, and you kind of have to edge forwards in order to be able to turn right. And uh, it was the morning and I was in a bit of a rush. And uh, this guy did not edge forwards. And so the lights changed and nobody could turn right. And people were beeping and hand gesturing and saying all kinds of things, I imagine, in their vehicles behind him. And I myself was getting increasingly annoyed with him. I was just like, stupid idiot, move forward. Um, Anyway, he did it again. He did it again. I almost got out of my car to go and tell him, except for it really was quite busy on the A road on that side, and it just felt a bit dangerous, so maybe I shouldn't. Anyway, he eventually moved forward, and we headed off. But I was so angry. I was really angry. I was like, you stupid idiot, and how to drive properly. You made me late. I was really angry with him. I was really, really judgmental. And I kind of like carried on up, up Sutton Court Road and the Holy Spirit gave me a little tap on the shoulder. And I was like, oh. And um, the Holy Spirit said three things to me. He said, why are you so angry? 
are you really just angry about this? Hmm. That was my first little uh, telling off. The second thing the Holy Spirit said to me is, uh, say, Nicola, you've never made any mistakes in your driving ever, have you? Never? You've never made any mistakes, Nicola? Mm -mm. Okay. And then the other thing, the third thing the Holy Spirit said to me was, uh, Nicola, you're not so important that it matters that you're five minutes late. And I just really felt the Holy Spirit kind of challenging me and prompting my kind of awful attitude that I'd had in that moment. And it was just this stark reminder to me um, afresh that morning that I'm a pretty good sinner, basically, that I mess up. And uh, the, the final paragraph in our chapter, it says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now you see, these verses are massively important uh, for us, for living out life as a real follower of Christ. You see, we're a liar if we say we have no sin. There's a great leveling in the Christian walk. Romans 3 says we have all, all of us have fallen short, all of us. And we need God's mercy and grace and God's help. And of course, we need to kind of just focus in um, on ourselves in this moment and recognize that we have many shortcomings that others need to forgive us for, and certainly God needs to forgive us. Now, of course, when we have been hurt and we have to go on the journey of uh, forgiveness, sometimes that can't just happen in an instant. Sometimes that has to happen over time, and we need to be careful and really work through it hard. But we start by really learning that first of all, we ourselves need to be forgiven. So these verses are really important and, um, and really uh, deep and meaningful for us. We cannot claim to be without sin, but then there's that huge encouragement. If we confess it, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that amazing? So if we're his follower, we don't need to walk around having that, carrying that big baggage of our sin and our rubbish. We can put it down, we can confess it. And then he is faithful and forgives us and purifies us from all unrighteousness. And that's hugely encouraging. The first little um, paragraph, so that's the third paragraph, jumping to the first paragraph in your Bibles. Um, it just makes me think of Doubting Thomas when I read um, these verses, um, because the disciples are writing and they're just so desperate to say, look, God is the, Jesus is the Messiah, his God come to earth and we've seen him, we've heard him and we've touched him and like, just believe him, it's true, it's real. And, um, 
And we sometimes just need proof, don't we, as people. We're wired that way to be like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And they're just desperate to tell you, it's real. We saw him, we touched him, we heard him. This is real. Jesus is God come to earth. You can believe this. And those guys died protecting that truth. They protected it for us so that we today can believe as well when we read their words. And I really liked um, verses uh, three to four, but also was really challenged by them. If you have a little look at that, um, that John's basically saying, look, um, I have fellowship with God, but what gives me great joy is being able to share that with others. And I felt really um, convicted. I've been very convicted and challenged this week, firstly, with my angry driving. But um, secondly, with this idea that my joy should be located in the sharing of Jesus Christ. And it might just be for some of us tonight, just a little bit of a checkup to kind of go, where's my joy located? Is it in my brand new coffee machine? Sorry, James, I mean to be looking at you. Is it in <laughs> my holiday I've got planned for the summer? Where's my joy located? Because actually the challenge for us is actually to become so like these first followers of Jesus that their joy is located in the sharing, the fellowship of Jesus with others. And it's an incredible thing when we're so um, enjoying the fellowship of God that we want, we desperately want others to experience and know God. Okay, so for the rest of the talk, we're going to be focusing on that middle paragraph in your Bible, verses five to seven. And let's just read that again. It says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So I want to just um, ask you guys a question tonight. What makes you a Christian? What makes you a Christian? Or if you don't feel you're a Christian yet, what do you think makes someone a Christian? Um, I was just going to give a little like advert break as it were. Why don't you turn to someone and, and just say what you think? Um, turn around, say hello to the people around you. What do you think makes a Christian? What makes you a Christian? Don't worry, I'm not going to chase around the room with a microphone for answers tonight. Just, 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 you can be free. Say what you think. Okay. 
we're going to um, draw us back together. I know that wasn't very long, um, but I, it's a good question to ask. What makes us a Christian? Uh, you may have um, heard people say things like, I'm not religious, I follow Jesus. Or um, it's not about the rules, it's about relationship. Uh, I don't know if any of those sorts of things came up in your conversations. Um, and they're, they're, they're good things, they're true. They're, and, and what they're getting at is at the heart of being a Christian, there is more than just believing in God. You see, being a Christian isn't actually believing in God, although that's important because it's kind of hard to not like to be a Christian if you don't believe in God. But it's not the primary thing. It isn't either practicing laws, you know, like, um, but you'll discover as you walk with God that obedience to Christ becomes very important in your relationship. At the heart of what it means to be a Christian is fellowship with God. And the word fellowship comes from the Greek word koinia, meaning in common. To be a Christian is to be in common with God, to share in God, to be in an intimate, connected relationship with God, which in turn brings us great joy. And so just quickly, we're going to look at what it means to have fellowship with God, what's that like, and then how it's experienced by us as Christians, and then a few kind of obstacles to that um, connection with God. So um, if you are a Christian tonight, you will experience at points in your walk with God, deep fellowship with God, deep, intimate fellowship with God. And just to help us think about this, I'd love you to think um, either of a marriage or perhaps a really close friendship and um, think about that kind of relationship. And uh, you might imagine in a, in a room a married couple and uh, one of them, say, reading a newspaper, one of them's maybe sat reading um, their iPhone and they're in a room and they're just, you know, hanging out. And then one of them puts down whatever's in their hand, goes over to the other and says, I love you, and gives them a kiss. Now, when they were reading the newspaper or reading the iPhone, they were just sat there, they were no less married than in the moment when they had the kiss. But when they had the kiss, the experience of intimacy and connection goes whoof, up high. Or think about two friends. You know, you might write a card to your friend, a birthday card, and put it in the post. But then compare that to meeting up with them and having an evening where you belly laugh together. And you just, you experience that euphoria of that deep connection. You see, you can have close relationships and experience the ebbs and flows of connection within them. And the same is true of our walk with God. There'll be times when we feel really and experience a real deep, deep fellowship with God. And there may be other times, and maybe you're in one of those times tonight, you've walked in like, I don't really feel particularly connected with God at the moment. There'll be mountain highs and valley lows, but God is with us through them all. And throughout our lifetime, we should expect moments of deep fellowship and we should be yearning and seeking to grow in deeper fellowship with God as sometimes even deeper fellowship comes when we trust him in the desert times as well. 
Now, we need to just be really careful because we will all experience that deep fellowship in quite different ways. Some of us might, um, might love just being an extended worship for hours, just really soaking kind of worship and really kind of experience God in a kind of almost a physical way or in all kinds of different um, sort of ways like that. Others of us, it can be more like where we kind of, a light switch kind of goes on and we connect something sort of mentally in our brain and we're like, oh God, I just kind of get this new part of you and you like, you become alive and you feel closer to God that way. And, and that's different because God's kind of made us different, different personalities. I love the fact that at this church, we have three different services and we, we probably need to work on distinguishing them even more. Um, but the reason we offer three different styles of worship on a Sunday is not that one style is better than the other, but that just we are wired sometimes to connecting in with God in slightly different uh, ways. But this connectivity, this deep fellowship is linked to, however we experience it, it's linked to the Holy Spirit making more vivid to you and I the words and personhood of Jesus Christ. That deep connectivity comes and the Holy Spirit makes more vivid, more real to us the words and personhood of Jesus Christ. And this relationship comes alive in us. In John uh, 14, 26, it says this, The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit's job is to teach us and remind us of what Jesus said. It's to make vivid Jesus, Jesus' words and who Jesus is to us. And you see, the Spirit brings a life, truth within us that then transforms us. And our walk with God is to be a real adventure. There aren't like um, do A, B, C and it will lead to D in your relationship with God. It doesn't work quite like that. But we need to position ourselves in such a way that we are exposed to God's truth, his word, so that the Holy Spirit can make more vivid to us the words and the personhood of Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? We can't skip our Bible study. You see, if we really want to meet the word, we have to be in the word. And um, Timothy Keller has five really helpful ways um, to help us do this. But the other thing we can't do is just do Bible study, like um, kind of religiously read our text without inviting the Holy Spirit to work in us. So we need to do our study in a certain kind of way. And I'm, I'm hoping, I don't know, I kind of sprung this on you guys. I'm hoping you might bring up on the screen these um, five suggestions. The first thing, so when you get a bit of scripture, Try it this week. You may want to take a screenshot of this um, or write it down. I'm going to challenge you to give it a go this week and come back and tell me how it went for you. But pick up the Bible, read any passage you like, and ask these five questions. How can I praise God on the basis of this text? How can I praise God on the basis of this text? Second question. 
how can I confess my sins on the basis of this text? How can I confess my sins? Thirdly, Timothy Keller suggests to us, if this text is true, what wrong behavior, what harmful emotions, what false attitudes resolve in me if I forget this text? That one's a bit longer, isn't it? If this is text is true, what wrong behavior, what harmful emotions, what false attitudes resolve in me when I forget this? Fourthly, what should I be aspiring to on the basis of this truth? What should I be aspiring to on the basis of this truth? And fifthly, why, God, are you telling me this today and not yesterday or tomorrow? And this is just a little simple, really practical way of looking at and dwelling with the text of Scripture so that we don't just rush through, yeah, tick, I've done my Bible reading, great. I'm a great one for a tick list. Anyone? Because there's so much to do in life. So, done my Bible reading, tick. Said, dear God, please help my family today, tick. Right, I'm off, go. Um, and this just slows us down just a little bit to invite the Holy Spirit to make more vivid the words of Jesus Christ and the personhood of Jesus Christ to us. And that is when we deepen our fellowship with God. And it may well be that you're overcome with emotion. It may well be that you want to then just dwell in one of our incredible worship songs, whether that's a hymn or one of the beautiful ones that Joe sang to us tonight. And as we do that and as we praise God and as the truth surrounds us, that deepens our intimate fellowship with God. So super quick. Three very quick things that can kind of get in the way of all of this for us. Firstly, we find this in verse 6. If we're doing something that we know is sin, that is going to inevitably cause a wedge in our relationship with God that's going to make our fellowship with him really difficult. It's really simple. So we need to just say, sorry, God, like we read and started our sermon with tonight. We need to confess it, get rid of it, go. Second thing, our fellowship with God is to spill out into fellowship with one another. You cannot walk the Christian life on your own. We're meant to be in relationship with one another and connecting to one another. And the thing is that some of us just don't want to reach out to other people. We just don't want to work at having deep relationships because quite frankly, it's quite hard. But when we don't do that, it actually diminishes something between our fellowship with God as well. Because there related we're we're meant to fellowship with God and one another like it kind of goes like that and you can't just do one way or the other way you kind of have to have it going always and there's just something about that in scripture and it's why it says in Hebrews don't stop meeting together don't stop meeting together and it's probably one of the things we're you know quite happy sometimes to give up doing So we need to think about that because it will impact our fellowship with God. And then finally, the other thing that hinders our fellowship with God is when we stop believing. We stop believing that we're a sinner that needs help. 
So when we stop believing those final passages, and it's why John starts with this, like, believe, please believe, guys, we've seen, we've heard, we've touched him, it's real, don't, don't stop believing, because that, obviously, if you stop believing, that kind of hinders your fellowship with God too. So be encouraged and dwell in truth, but you need to be immersed in the truth so that you can keep on believing. And so just those three things, if they're going on for you, maybe get some prayer, ask for some help, get some suggestions, because God is wooing us into deep fellowship with him. Amen.